And now, coming to you live from our coast-to-coast trading desk, this is The Flagship Pod, a weekly live podcast recorded in front of a live Discord audience here over at Moby.co, where we discuss everything about the economy, the stock market, and the various market forces shaping the world around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Star Northrop, bringing you this time another really strong discussion about the week that came previously and the week ahead. We essentially had the most important day of the probably all of 22 on Wednesday when the Fed basically said, hey, we are absolutely going to raise rates and taper our bond purchasing program. Here's what that's going to mean by March. And then everything else that's coming next week as we watch tech companies and the stock market as a whole digest this information. We're going to be seeing a bunch of market temper tantrums moving forward, but maybe we're going to see a bottom in the coming months. Either way, folks, to help you parse through that, I am joined, as always, by Justin Kramer, our CEO, co-founder, and chief analyst here. Justin Kramer, man, wild week, dude. How you doing? And also, is it snowing yet? Like, what's the deal with the East Coast? Are you guys going to freeze to death or what? Yeah, I mean, this week has been insane. Um, markets down so hard to start the week, and they go up, then they go back down. And today, I think they were closed the day around up 500 points um, to wrap up, like, one of the more craziest weeks I've seen. So, yeah, if there was ever a time to pay attention, it was definitely now. Um, but I agree, this is uh, some crazy times right now. Everything's really starting to come to fruition. Exactly. It's still it's still dip season, but we once again have watched Tim Cook single-handedly save the world with the Apple earnings report this week, audience. The main thing um, is that Apple, with the insane margins they have, is basically bulletproof. They've basically sorted out their internal supply chain. They've got some concerns they're still worried about, but you don't beat a supply chain machine better than Apple, and that's why they can A, have the ludicrous margins they have, B, just continuously outperform, and C, literally turn around a down week single-handed, not single handedly, but basically by themselves. Uh, this is why Apple is the most valuable company in the world, and maybe why my thesis about Microsoft surpassing them this year might have been a little bit too bearish on Microsoft. But either way, uh, Justin, Justin, when you think about that, um, let's let's move back a little bit further in the week, and then we can talk about, again, I, I can worship Tim Cook a little bit more a little bit later. When we get into this, though, let's talk about what Jerome Powell discussed, right? I mean, it literally changed nothing. Like, we have been saying, hey, taper's gonna happen, rates be go up, since October, we've basically been saying this is what's going to happen, but the market didn't really digest or understand that until the last couple of weeks. And now they're throwing that teeny tiny little temper tantrum in response to, I guess a lot of, you know, day traders are really, really hoping that Jerome Powell is going to 180 on this and say, no rates going up, no tapering, hyperinflation is here, baby. Let's have the bear run to end all bear runs. Literally, let's have the bear run that destroys the economy. So what do you think about, like, what are your thoughts in terms of like looking at like them thinking about raising rates 50 basis points potentially three times this year like how does that cool off the economy what does that do in terms of like the stock market reacting to it we kind of had a similar situation you know earlier this decade like in 2017 into 2018 and so when you're thinking about sort of like how we tweak the numbers here what's the game in terms of raising rates and how the market's going to continue to react to this moving forward yeah, I mean, it should come as no surprise to a lot of people. Um, I know to your point, like other people thought there potentially may be a, a shift in tone, but like it's almost more important what the Fed says they'll do um, and then ultimately what they do do. So like what I mean by that is if all of a sudden they didn't say they were going to raise rates and they raise rates, it would scare the markets and vice versa, whereas they need to start signaling. And this they've said this for a while. They need to signal and give people heads up so they get more comfortable. The Fed is, unless like something drastic happens, they're never going to like massively just say, hey, we're, you know, we're doing something we never called for unless like it's just dire consequences. Signaling is just so important. Um, so with that, I mean, the, the rise in rates was like 
I mean, they haven't done it yet, but every every sign points towards they're going to, and inflation is just completely out of con- out of control. So like, I don't think that anyone should be um, anticipating that the opposite happens. And that's why we've seen all this volatility, people starting to believe their message after months and months of them saying it. Um, and that's just really going to continue hurting valuations. And so it's just going to be a lot more ups and down days when things are oversold, overbought with volatility up. So long story short, I mean, we're just expecting more of the same for the for the foreseeable future. And that's what's really exciting from my perspective, because what you're going to see during this period, audience, again, is the companies that can take a punch. This is your big test moment as you buy these dips and hold. Like, you're going to watch and see who are the real companies and who aren't, and that's going to come around earnings season. And the main thing you look at that is this week, too, how we watched Robinhood completely tank on just missing all of their revenue expectations. Robinhood isn't a bad business, but it was always a business we here at Moby.co were kind of concerned about, and those concerns are definitely playing out here, right? Uh, a lot of Robinhood's, you know, revenue came from crypto and as people kind of like a ban- like get, you know, a little spooked about the crypto situation, that's hurting them. Obviously, a lion's share of the revenue came from options trading as well, which gets a little bit goofy during moments of uncertainty. But at the same time, like all of that revenue information that Robinhood gave us this week during the earnings call came from you know, stuff that happened in Q4, right? So we haven't even seen the beginning of Robinhood kind of correcting itself. And so that's what you're looking for. You're looking for these businesses who can take a punch. Apple got hit a little bit with the tech sell-off, had a good earnings call, came right back. Microsoft this week as well, similar story where they beat earnings but still went down on earnings news, not because like, hey, the market isn't buying it, but because Microsoft had good earnings in the same moment that they made one of the biggest acquisitions of all time in the gaming space by buying Activision Blizzard for $69 billion. That's a long-term play. The market needs to digest that, understand it better. But once you know Microsoft establishes itself as the death star for gaming, becomes the Netflix for gaming via Game Pass, which is going to happen both on Xbox and on PC. A lot of people overlook the fact that Activision Blizzard means they'll be a PC exclusive as well and unlock that much um, audience for Microsoft. Keep that in mind as well. Well. And so you're looking for businesses who are, you know, surviving pretty well. Microsoft has recovered astoundingly since that kind of teeny tiny little sell-off that happened at the beginning of the week, and so I'm still bullish on them, but that's what you're looking for. And so, Justin, as we kind of think about that, we kind of look to the week ahead and see if we can't begin to understand what's going to happen again in this very volatile environment where earnings calls can swing stocks in either direction. There's a lot of big ones coming up. Justin, I think the one that I'm the most excited about that I want you to get, I want your view on the most is honestly Amazon. I feel like Amazon got cut a little bit too hard during this sell-off and I don't understand why we're kind of only talking about Apple, only talking about Microsoft when the true titan of the 2020 economy was Amazon and continues to be. So when you think about sort of like the Amazon earnings earnings call coming up. What are the things we need to watch to make sure that, um, you know, Amazon earnings will go well and Amazon can, you know, start demonstrating that like they've taken this punch and they're going to keep recovering? We've seen a real dispersion of, of, of performance so far. So what I mean by that is you look at like the FANG stocks or the ones that are comprising most of the S&P and you have companies like Google that had great years and companies like Amazon that were down 10%. I mean, Amazon is still obviously up a ton since their IPO, um, but they definitely felt it more so than other companies last year. And so going forward, things that we're going to need to look at is how they do with AWS. Are they able to expand there? Um, and then in the e-commerce business, like where are, do they have more pricing power there? Are they able to work with more retailers, onboard more people, expand more? How does it work with logistics? Um, they're subject to a lot of other like kind of intrinsic costs based on like energy prices and a lot of other things that like pure software players don't have because they're just so logistic heavy. 
Um, but oh, I think a lot of those pressures are going to start to abate at the second half of this year. So long story short, obviously, I don't think anyone's shorting Amazon in the long run. Um, but some of those short term pressures definitely need to uh, to be aware of. Precisely. And then audience, I'll give you a quick view that I have as well. One stock that I am absolutely watching for their earnings next week. We're not going to see a big effect this earnings call. I'm really excited for the Q2 earnings. But for me, uh, we might still get like a bit of a pop as the market begins to understand some really significant moves happening. And of course, that's in your that's in your healthcare and pharmaceutical space. I'm talking Merck. MRK, baby, the stock that basically put me through college. Um, uh, we are really excited about, you know, a lot of Merck's um, advancements. Like the stock has been kind of, you know, surviving in this in the past five years or so and rising on news that their COVID pill is actually showing promise against Omicron. That report literally came out today. Um, so with that news there and the news coming uh, next week from their earnings call. I'm really excited to see how they play out there. Pharmaceuticals is still like another one of those really stable, uh, interesting investments you can make, especially during inflationary times. And so that's why Merck is going to be a huge boon, I think. It might not be during this earnings call because a lot of their COVID pill efficacy came at the very end of Q4 and came, you know, basically all of that's going to really start now during Q1 as we need to think more treatment-based as opposed to thinking more vaccine-based, just based on how you know virulent and how transmissible and how easily mutated COVID-19 is. Vaccines are an incredible, incredible tool against you know the pandemic being basically an apocalypse-level event, but it's going to be treatments that really push us into a more endemic situation. And I think Merck is going to be one of those companies that really leads the charge. It's Merck and Pfizer who have the real COVID treatment pills, right? Post-infection treatments. But Merck's has a lot of promise. And Merck's, you know, also leveraging a lot of the mRNA technology that came out of the COVID-19 vaccine to think about treatments for things like HIV, AIDS, and various autoimmune diseases. So super excited to see what they say during their earnings call this week. That's what I'm really thinking about. In terms of other earnings next week, Justin, I think another thing we need to really be thinking about is energy. And that's kind of a place where I have a lot, uh, I'm really opaque. And so when you're thinking about earning for energy, I guess Shell's the big one next week. Are there any other uh, energy stocks we're watching for earnings calls next week, dude? Yeah, ConocoPhillips as well. Um, that's another big one. We actually just put a note out of this recently. Um, energy obviously rallied like crazy last year. It's one of the only sectors in the S&P that's up this year as well. Um, energy stocks have really like been able to benefit from like the increase in gas prices and everything to do with inflation. So we think they're going to continue doing well until things max out, um, and so we're we're continuing to look there. But our our play so far um, is probably approaching towards the end um, of the energy cycle. But so far, so good. Um, defensive name, cyclical name, all things that kind of do well in this like late environment. Um, so we'll see how things continue to progress. But those are names that we've had open now for a year or two, um, and they've fortunately been some of the best performers in our portfolio. And the main question from our audience when they think about energy is just how, you know, the current macro situation plays into energy stocks, right? Like a lot of the energy rise we've seen has been based on supply chain issues as well as sort of like the energy crisis in Europe. And the thing that our audience is really interested in based on the questions and the DMs I'm getting, right, comes from the geopolitical situation. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not asking you to switch from uh, you know, talking about the economy to talking about foreign policy or anything, Justin. But when we think about sort of the, the saber rattling that's happening between Russia and Ukraine. Like Russia is obviously the primary natural gas and oil provider for 
uh, Europe and that pipeline runs through Ukraine, right? As tensions begin to rise there and as, you know, the U.S. is like, hey, don't do that. And Russia's like, hey, I'm going to do it. And Ukraine's like, could you maybe not, though? Um, when you think about all that saber rattling, is that something that's going to depress energy stocks? People are worried about uncertainty or is it one of those things where as people get more energy insecure, energy prices rise and therefore the value of those stocks goes up? Like, how do you sort of parse that if you think about, the, the like, again, what is ultimately an extraordinarily complicated situation overlaid on top of a very interesting supply chain scenario for energy stocks right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the geopolitical is definitely interesting right now. Um, obviously, the stuff that's going on um, in Russia, the Ukraine, even in the Middle East, it's it's obviously like subject to, to change all the time, but there's so much volatility that affects the gas prices. And you've obviously had, we've talked about this before, a lot of like the gas shortages in Europe to to that affect a lot of people where it's not really necessarily felt here to the same extent. Um, so long story short, I mean, like it's going to continue being an issue. I, I can't imagine this is going away overnight. Um, and then when you factor in like OPEC and a lot of the kind of like gas cartels or, or oil cartels in the Middle East, um, the price of gas and the price of oil is just so subject to manipulation. So, I mean, if you remember not even a year ago, it was literally like cheap. People were getting paid to hold on to drums of oil. Obviously, things have changed. I think I think it's still going to keep going up. but. Yeah, I mean, when you when you think about investing in energy, that is always something to be cognizant of. You really got to understand what's going on in Russia. And so it's it's a very fluid situation. Um, I don't think right now we're in a position to say, you know, there's going to be an invasion or the U.S. is going to step in. I, I think it's a little early to start making predictions there. But yeah, I mean, something we have to be aware of. Exactly. Yeah, it's really it's one of those things. It's really impossible to tell like a lot of like the very typical indicators you'd use to be like, is this actually happening kind of out the window right now? Again, we are very much in an unprecedented situation in terms of we don't really understand exactly what the Biden administration's motivations are here. Like they were super willing to leave Afghanistan, but you know, they're willing to stand up to Russia at the same time. It's one of those things where like, who are, are we hawkish? Are we dovish? literally clueless there and so it's one of those things where it's a wait and see situation and so i appreciate you kind of diving into that for a hot second justin as we begin to round this out and so when we think more about uh earnings calls next week i guess the last one we want to look into we talked a little bit about amazon uh, one i am watching is alibaba i have no idea which way that's going to going to turn i'm watching alibaba specifically for cloud computing i want to see if alibaba cloud is expanding its margins within china uh in order to you know get those cloud if if you get those cloud margins it's kind of over and so i'm still hoping to see uh baba continue its sort of recovery after getting artificially depressed all across the back half of 2020 and the entirety of 2021 and we think more about tech stocks i guess the only big question mark left then justin is google and so as you look forward to um uh the kind of back half of earnings next week how do you feel how do you feel google is going to be playing in this new environment i don't see them having as many headwinds as many tailwinds i should say as like apple have had but when you're when you're google right now like how are you playing this game well i guess real quick just to touch on the alibaba stuff like it's alibaba got like, absolutely smoked since uh since the end of october in 2020, I mean, I think the stock was hovering around like $300 and today it's 115. So it's literally been chopped in half. Um, but over the last month, we've kind of seen somewhat of a reversal. It's only up 2%, um, but they're maintaining like kind of like this, this lower ba trading bound, um, something we haven't seen since like 2017. So I don't know if we're necessarily at the bottom yet, um, but as it looks more and more realistic for some of these Chinese companies to comply with US regulation, 
there's a real chance that like these these stocks can start to turn, especially with their valuations already like completely chopped in half outside of like interest rates and anything like U.S. centric. Um, so yeah, I mean, long story short, I definitely want to continue looking there and seeing what presents itself. Um, this is like a typical play where it's like you might not get all the way to the bottom, but you're getting pretty close towards the bottom. So a rebound, whether you're getting at 115 or 100, even 90, when it goes back up to two, 300, it's like we're just playing the rebound. Um, timing the market at the absolute bottom is is honestly like basically impossible. Um, so that's it for Alibaba. And then for Google, I mean, they're they're in an interesting position as well. I mean, they're just completely, they've completely been dominating. So you look back over the last, <clears throat> excuse me, over the last year, I think they're up 50%. Obviously, they've been hurting the last few months, um, given the rest of the tech stocks have, have been hurting as well. But they're just an absolute monster. I mean, they completely run the advertising world. They completely run the data world. Any digital advertising has to go more or less like through them. So next um, next week when they report earnings, like we're still anticipating um, that they'll do well, um, especially like when we see that Apple has done so well. Granted, they're playing a very different game. Um, but I think a lot of these stocks are are going to continue reporting well. The Even though the environment for tech stocks from an investing perspective is not super well, their businesses, especially with like the economy like doing so well and GDP like starting to peak, um, they'll probably continue to do well. I think the biggest thing to watch out for is guidance going forward. If it, the Fed raises rates, spending cuts back and companies start being more conservative, the next six months is what we have to watch out for. So historically think everything's fine going forward that's that's the big thing to watch out for next week precisely and that that's the thing too that that cautious environment is going to be temporary and i think a lot of things tempering that cautiousness are what you just mentioned gdp we got the uh, gdp growth report this week as well uh, gdp it was up 6.9% nice as opposed to the expectations that it would only be up what like 5.5% but it's one of those things where that's kind of you kind of expect that in q4 right you expect that with like the holiday boon and all of that uh, so the main thing is thinking about okay is uh, is the economy going to continue to um, be robust like that? Are we going to see continued GDP growth? Or are we going to see things slow down a little bit in Q1? I think that slowdown is a little bit more likely considering all of like uh, the sell-offs that happened since that data was actually collected. But when we think about moving forward to next week, Justin, um, we, we think about the complexity of like, hey, you know, the market had a huge downturn, but GDP is up. Like we're still more productive than ever. We're managing to be brilliantly productive despite the fact that uh, a lot of us still can't even go outside and all that nonsense. But Justin, as you look forward to next week, are there any other economic reports that we're watching to make sure that we get a better sense of the pulse of the economy? Because the indicators we keep getting, again, there's a lot, of, there's a lot more noise than signal. We get a lot of really positive indications. We get a lot of really negative indications. But overall, it's kind of adding up to uh, volatility and question marks. And so when you think about that, economic events next week what are we looking forward to in order to get a better sense of how the economy is going <laughs> yeah i mean so like gdp and all that stuff is always trailing indicators it's not indicative of what's to come it's indicative of what's happened so this is like where the kind of mismatch between what the fed is doing and what the economy is saying from a statistic standpoint really differs the fed is trying to anticipate what's next and so with rising inflation rising gdp all these like metrics that you anticipate or start to like associate rather with the end of like growth stages of economic cycles is where we start to see things start to peak out. So like the numbers look really solid, but like with inflation rising and with a lot of like other indicators pointing, it looks like things will get better, but will start to peak and then ultimately decline. And once we're in a period of contraction is when like things get scary. And so with inflation as white hot as it is, the Fed has to raise rates. They have to do all these things. And 
maybe not the next GDP report or even the one after, but whether it be Q2, Q3, or even Q4, things will start to then go the other way, which is when people will get more nervous. So just want to draw that distinction about what the reports are saying now and what the Fed is doing, like kind of the mismatch there. It's like when things become too overheated, they're trying to manage a healthy economic like growth over a multi-decade, multi-generational period. Um, so that's kind of the difference there. And then next week, there's nothing like really particular. Um, obviously, like we can look at jobless claims, something we look at all the time, um, and we can look at the unemployment rate, but I think it's going to still continue to track like how GDP is tracking. So better numbers um, that investors will take well, but again, it's just kind of numbers that are more approaching or starting to approach the top of our economic cycle. So I'm not expecting anything drastic, um, but we'll uh, we'll see for next week. Um, outside of that, I mean, we have some of the Fed president chair speaking, um, the one out of Kansas City and, and not St. Louis, I don't think next week, but St. Louis is one of the the better Feds that we look at. So those will be things we're looking at as well. But I think a lot of that stuff is going to be trailing and it's more important to keep the eyes on the Fed right now. Exactly. I mean, the Fed's going to kind of dominate how we think about the market moving forward. They are the most powerful force in terms of dictating how we heat up and cool off the economy writ large, right? Uh, we're not going to get into a situation where the Fed's going to cause a credit crunch or anything, but they are going to the the amount of the amount of rate raises that are potentially coming and the and the amount that those raises are going to be like they've very strongly indicated that it's 50 basis points to start in March. Um, those are, you know, not not super huge and not something that's going to super spook the market or anything, but help us cool off a little bit. And so the main thing you're going to watch is a, a lot of these companies, especially growth ones, get a little bit more conservative in how they're, how they're growing or thinking more high margin. Like even in a conservative environment, uh, you can play the high, the, the high margin software game, which is why uh, even, even in this environment, I'm still very, very excited about stocks like Microsoft who have kind of pivoted into these very services, very digital, very bundly environments. Now, Justin, we are we are approaching the end here, right? And so I guess the main thing we think about when we look to the week ahead, it's going to be volatility reigns, right? Like when you are thinking as a long-term investor, is your main goal looking for dips to buy or is it just kind of like checking in on the health of your portfolio as you watch this volatility happen? Like what's the main thing I should be thinking about as I watch all this volatility happen? Because we, could, we are kind of approaching this not being a down week, like the first non-down week uh, out of like the last month, right? Um, but that's just off of really good Apple earnings, right? I think, you know, a goofy Google earnings call can potentially send things into a tizzy. So as we watch this, as we think about, you know, the volatility that's going to be here probably until, you know, May, June, July, basically, as the market really digests, you know, us making the economy more healthy, so to speak. How do we think about this moving forward? How do I maintain this long-term perspective? And how do I make sure that I'm, you know, taking advantage of ultimately, you know, essentially dip season, so to speak? Yeah, it's a good question because like you said, the I think it's a really good point. You mentioned like the economy becoming more healthy. And I don't think that's what people realize is the economy hasn't been healthy for a long time. Yeah, the numbers are really strong, but the Fed literally pumps $1.5 trillion into the economy every year and no one pays attention. And interest rates are held extremely artificially low in order to stimulate growth. So like, yes, the numbers look good, but it's because the U.S. is helping them out so much. And the U.S. ultimately accumulates more and more debt. Um, they accumulate more and more debt, not depth. <laughs> um, they accumulate more debt and ultimately that like hurts our credit. And so like, just like inflation, inflation didn't matter as we printed more and more money over the last 10 years and our, you know, in theory, printing more debt hasn't hurt us, but 
there will in theory come a day where like you just it's going to be a real issue like empires rise and falls and i'm not calling for the u.s to fall anytime soon but continuously uh, like printing money issuing debt countries owning our debt i mean for now things are fine but once countries decide they don't want to hold on to our debt anymore credit quality decreases like that's when things like really can can change and that's why we need to get back to like more of a, a healthy economic growth cycle because for the last decade it's it's been very artificial um so i just want to make that point that's that's really important and then for like the dips and everything to your other point it's it's interesting because we say this every single week like literally every single week if you've been following us that no one can time the market it's near impossible there's literally i can count on one hand, the amount of quant funds that are that have done it somewhat consistently, and even the best one of all time, um, which is Renaissance Technologies, had an absolutely awful year last year. So it is extremely hard to, if not diff, impossible to do. So for me saying like bottom's coming this, this is how we should play it. It's just no anyone telling you otherwise is honestly just full of it. Um, so for these dips, for the names you like, these are when you can add um, like add to your position. So like DraftKings, we posted about that today. They're down 75% from their 52-week high. Company we really like, the valuation like makes more sense than ever. Can they keep sliding? 100%. Could they go down 85% from their 52-week high? I mean, it's it's possible. But for us, we're just trying to time getting upside at all, not when the maximum upside is. This happens all the time. People ask for dips. They think it's going to go lower. They end up not buying, and then it goes back up and they're waiting for the dip that never comes and they end up missing out on the 100, 200% return. What we recommend doing is just finding stocks you like and incrementally adding to it. So if you like DraftKings, if you like a different stock, add to your position now. And then if it continues sliding, either add to it more or just continue to wait it out. As long as your conviction in the name has changed, you shouldn't let the day-to-day -day, like price volatility affect the way you invest. Unless news comes out or something, like I said, fundamentally changes, price is irrelevant. It's just, it's day-to-day -day movements. And so if you think a stock's doing well, if we think the stock's doing well, we're going to try to ignore it. So like, that's just like investing one-on-one. It's, it's tough when you see your portfolio chopped in half on certain days, but everyone needs to become a long-term investor. It's, it is the only literal proven way to make money in the long-term. Exactly. And I mean, to illustrate that, you'll if you are new to this Discord audience, you will hear a meme a lot about my, my desktop metal position, which is now down a very comfortable 75% ever since I joined Moby and uh, made a big position on it um, during uh, during the like growth period in 2021. But my goal with buying desktop metal was buying it for five years, right? So I'm not even... Uh, a fifth of the way through what the lifetime of that position is supposed to be. And that's the thing you have to think about. You're never trying to time the market with your exits, and you're never even really trying to time your, the market with your entrances. The main thing is buy and forget about it. And that's the sort of thing. So yes, I make fun of myself for maybe uh, getting into desktop metal a little too early and being down 75% now, but I know for a fact that uh, the additive manufacturing um, industry is going to pop off in the next five years. And so I at least can, you know, break even on that. And that's a really good way of thinking about it moving forward like you will hear 
you will hear market cycles within the media as if the sky is falling, and that's not necessarily the truth at all. And even like with with these macro scales too. Also keep in mind that you know we talk about how you know empires rise and fall. It took the Ottoman Empire two hundred years to go from its absolute heights to you know uh, essentially balkanizing. Right, same thing. British Empire took uh, essentially forty five years to completely dissolve itself, and the Commonwealth is still pretty strong. You know, and so when you hear people doom saying like the U the United States of America is the largest and most powerful empire in uh, essentially human history. And so it's one of those things where um, you, you, you talk about empires rising and falling, but nobody ever talks about the time scale. If it goes down, it's going to be a very, very long air quotes decline. There's still a lot of productivity that we as people in this world can get out of it. And so I think that's the main thing you think about, right? You, you maintain your plan, keep investing incrementally, keep buying month over month over month, and the compounding interest game will still reward you even on the long term now even on a 35 to 45 year time scale. And so audience, I really appreciate you being here with us as we think about those things. And Justin Kramer, uh, co-founder and um, CEO here at uh, Mobi.co and our chief analyst, I really appreciate your perspective. Justin, any final, final thoughts for me before I go ahead and read the credits here? As always, I'm amazed that we have been talking for 30 minutes and I really appreciate you going a little bit over time to make up for the late start on this one. Yeah, of course. And no, I think honestly that, that wraps it up pretty well. Um, I know a lot of people are scared with what's going on. They don't understand. This is something like that I think is a, a pretty unprecedented trial, but can't understate the importance of raising rates, of cutting back money. So continue to have conviction in the names you have conviction in. If you don't, then you know obviously cut them, even if they're at a loss, it'll hurt. But this is uh, this is going to be a volatile time. This isn't the time to to get scared and, and sell off all the names that you you held. So just it's hard, but just continue exercising patience the best you can. Um, much easier said than done. I, I do realize that. But we, but we really appreciate you, audience, you know, coming here, asking us questions, too. Feel free to keep those questions coming. We, we missed a lot, unfortunately, because some are actually a lot bigger than might be more like bigger reports. If you have any other questions for us, hit me up here at on Discord. If you're listening to this on our podcast apps audience, hit me up at hello at mobi.co. We will absolutely, you know, look into any positions you want us to. Again, our main goal is to serve you, our brilliant and probably beautiful audience. And we want to make sure we get you, you the information you need to better understand your portfolio, where your portfolio is going, and how you can kind of play this game moving forward. Otherwise, audience, thank you so much for your time today. Just so you know, this podcast is produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Starr Northrop. All the advice you heard today, all like the actual intelligence came from Justin Kramer, our co-founder, CEO, and chief analyst here. If you want to find more information about what we think about here, check us out over at Moby.co. Also check us out over at YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Moby Invest. We've got some really interesting reports coming out moving forward. We've got some awesome stuff. We were early on Rocket Lab on YouTube. Uh, we beat every bank by about a month, and it just keeps going up from there because of everyone else kind of agreeing with us, which is pretty awesome. You can also find us going live more on Instagram as well. So hit us up on Instagram and TikTok too. We're trying to get as much information out as possible and lean into live. So check us out on all, literally all of our platforms. You will see us live somewhere daily except for weekends. Otherwise, audience, I really appreciate your time today. And as always, I like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.